Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Jesse Olszewski, a filmmaker and project coordinator at the Greater Erie Film Office. And my name is Megan Shoffrey. I'm a filmmaker and production coordinator at R. Frank Photography. This week, we're going to talk about our upcoming film at Film Grain Dinner and a Movie Series, which is Gloria Bell. Our guest today is Patrick Fisher, the executive director of Erie Arts and Culture. And we're going to do a roundtable discussion on the pros and cons of being a creative living in Erie. Our Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is Wednesday night uh, film series. And our Film Grain is open to the public and takes place at the Bourbon Barrel, which is 1213 State Street, Erie, PA. We have a big 16-foot screen with a great buffet, vegetarian options available, and gluten-free upon request and couch and table service all night long. This Wednesday, June 19th, we are showing Gloria Bell, starring Julianne Moore as the title character, a free-spirited divorcee who spends her days at a straight-laced office job and her nights on a dance floor, joyfully letting loose at clubs around Los Angeles. After meeting Arnold, played by John Turturro, on a night out, she finds herself thrust into an unexpected new romance filled with both the joys of budding love and the complications of dating, identity, and family. From Academy Award-winning director Sebastian Lelio, A Fantastic Woman, Disobedience, comes a sophisticated romantic comedy that shows love can strike at any time, relationships are never simple, and nothing can get you down as long as you keep dancing. Reserve your seats through filmsocietynwpa.org. Just click events or purchase at the door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. And the buffet dinner will be announced Monday on the Facebook event. Nothing can get you down as long as you keep dancing. Yes, great quote. <laughs> Something we, we could all take to heart. We're joined by Patrick Fisher, the executive director of Erie Arts and Culture, and from my understanding, is a recent uh, resident of Erie. Is that correct? Uh, returning to returning, Erie. Returning, great. Yeah, so I'm originally from Northwest Pennsylvania. Perfect. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, you coming up, maybe education or work history? Yeah, so I'm a free spirit divorcee that spends my day at the <laughs> office, but my evening's on the night floor. Or dance floor. Just keep dancing. Yeah, Just I dance because that's really all there is to do. <laughs> uh, no, so I was uh, born in Erie at Hammond Hospital, but I was raised in uh, Crawford County in Cochranton, which is about 45 minutes south of Erie. Uh, really not much to do there. It's a rural town, one stoplight, maybe 1,200 people. Uh, so you pretty much either go up to Erie or down to Pittsburgh for anything. Uh, my family always came up to Erie because my dad's family lives up here. Um, so for me, Erie was always the big city. It was where you went to go shopping. It was where the good restaurants were at. Uh, it was where uh, entertainment like WWF occurred at the Civic Center. Uh, so to me, like Erie was always this cool thing. And then when I was about 15, I discovered the local music scene, and that was even a bigger draw for me. So we were here pretty much every Friday and Saturday to go to shows whether it be at Ford Hall or The Hangout, both uh, RIP. But that was really where I was exposed to larger ideals, concepts, values, uh, issues that I would have never been exposed to in Cochranton. After I graduated high school, moved down to South Florida for about three years, not because I had any draw to South Florida, it just felt as about as different as possible from Cochranton. And then after the hurricanes of 2005, I thought I'd rather deal with snow than hurricanes. So I moved back up to Pennsylvania and settled in Erie. Lived here for about seven 
seven years uh, going to college and working in the airline industry. And then about 2011, I was starting to feel really stagnant. Um, I had a lot of love for Erie, but I felt like I couldn't identify how to participate as a citizen. Um, you know, how could I be a part of the change that was necessary? How could I take the ideas I have and present them as potential solutions to some of the deficits we were facing? Because I couldn't identify that, I felt frustrated. I didn't feel fulfilled by my job, so I left. Uh, I moved up to Fairbanks, Alaska. I was there for about a little over three years and got to a point where I could work remotely with my job. So I thought, why not? Built a little camper out of a van and me and my dog traveled full time for about nine months. Sooner or later, I was starting to miss that sense of community that I think we all need in our lives, that sense of routine even. So I uh, found myself down in Jacksonville and I was hired by their cultural council there. Uh, and I was proudly serving in that capacity for a little over two years when the opportunity arose to move back to Erie um, to serve as executive director with Erie Arts and Culture. If you would have asked me six months prior had I had any interest in moving back to Erie, I would have said absolutely not. Uh, but I started to look at where we're at. I looked at the new city administration. I looked at the new resources that were being brought to the table. I looked at things like the beehive uh, that was formed. So this new cooperation and collaboration that Erie really wasn't known for historically. And I thought, okay, if I left because I didn't feel engaged and I didn't know how to participate, like certainly now is the time to move back if I want to do those things. Uh, so I moved back in September of 2018 and it's been uh, about, what, 10 months uh, that I've been serving in this capacity, and, and I'm very pleased with my decision to come back. That's awesome. So I'm just curious, uh, in all those years of adventuring and traveling, um, did you always kind of identify with arts communities and that type of thing, or... Did, did it come out at a certain time? Yeah, so I would say I've always identified as kind of counterculture or um, alternative interests. Um, I've been vegan for about 13 years. I've been straight edge uh, since I was 15. Uh, so, you know, growing up in Cochran, it's a very homogeneous area. So, you know, being a kid that wore gray dicky pants and a black t-shirt pretty much every day, uh, or even before that, like when bondage pants and things like that were cool. And Junko I, jeans. Uh, so I didn't know my dad took Not me that shopping far. at Value City, so I didn't get Jinkos. I had the Bobo version of them. Uh, but you know, being like a, a kid interested in like new metal and like corn and all that stuff, people had certain perceptions of me just because of the way I looked because I didn't fit this kind of agricultural rural community look uh, so I felt like that kind of pushed me even further into like this counterculture movement and like I've always been drawn to like that which is different I guess you could say and like that which is considered weird um, so whether I was in Erie or uh, when I was in West Palm or Fairbanks or Jacksonville, like I always acclimated towards the arts and culture community, not necessarily the fine arts by any means, but definitely surrounded myself mm -hmm. by with creativity and culture at any opportunity that I could. Uh, well, we're going to get into uh, creatives living in Erie, but I guess what has, for, so when you came back for, to Erie Arts and Culture, what's your general vibe on the art scene in Erie? So um, I think Erie has a really strong creative community. So I personally don't use the word arts and culture that often because I feel like art can create this intimidating barrier that if you're not on the inside, 
you feel like you'll always be on the outside, right? When we think of art, we think of the finished product as opposed to the process of creation. And my interest is more in the process of creation than something that is like museum quality, et cetera, being on the art or on the wall somewhere. So I tend to focus more on creativity and culture and how can we cultivate that in our community. And if we look at Erie, I actually think we have a wealth of it here. Um, if you look at our city, population of under 100,000, if you look at the number of cultural institutions and creative venues that we have, um, it's really remarkable. You won't find it in another community with a population less than 100,000. Uh, I think one of the challenges, though, is that many of our creatives have focused more on the creation of a product as opposed to the exploration of a process. And my focus since I've been back is really how do we put the emphasis on the process? Because that's where all the value rests. You know, when we think about youth participating in the arts, it's all about the process and what they develop, uh, whether it be cognitive abilities, communicative abilities, collaborative abilities, those soft skills that many employers are looking for today, that doesn't come out of the product, that comes out of the process. Uh, what we learn about ourselves and the world around us, that comes out of the process more than it comes out of the product. So my focus has been really to identify those artists with a focus on process and making sure that we're building their capacity. Um, and then as, the, as we identify those artists that are focused on product, figuring out how can we shift them to be more intentional in the work that they're creating. So again, the focus is on process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and is probably a viewpoint overlooked. I mean, I would say Erie has a really strong entrepreneurial circle with a lot of resources and support. And maybe the artists who see that think, well, I need to come up with a product. I need to start making money. And, you know, they kind of shift to that business side of the art. But I think you're right. There's a lot of value in stepping back and in looking at that process and thinking, how can I develop that? Yeah, it's really about what are you trying to say through your work? What do you want your work to communicate? What what ideas, values, um, you know, expressions are you delving into through your work? Uh, so I think one of the things that we need to ask ourselves is what makes an artist, right? You can be technically a good painter, but if you're not coming up with original concepts and ideas, and if you're not challenging yourself, are you an artist? You can be good at movement, and yes, you can dance, but if unless you're using movement to and an exploration of space to communicate broader ideas are you an artist you know you can be savvy with a camera especially now that all of us have smartphones and that can make you a photographer but does it make you an artist and uh, by no means am i trying to be elitist in that statement because i'm not saying you have to necessarily be good at what you do but you have to be exploring something through your work in order for truthfully me to think that you're an artist. Otherwise, you're just someone that is making stuff. Um, so I think that continuously asking folks, like, what is your artist statement, 
right? What is the purpose behind your work? Why do you create what you create? And like, yes, it's great that you can paint a sunset if somebody requests it or a portrait of a dog if somebody requests it, or, you know, any of those things. But like in your free time, when you really want to figure out more about yourself or the world around you, like what are you delving into? What are you jumping into? How are you using your creative skill sets to actually serve a greater purpose? Well, I guess that that's a good segue into it. Um maybe we can try and identify some specific advantages for artists in Erie and then some challenges as well. So let's say someone has a good handle on that process and they know what they're trying to say through their, through their work. Where do they go from there? Yeah, so the first thing is uh, we've actually at Erie Arts and Culture, we started launching this uh, blog series, Seven Steps to Scaling Your Career as an Artist. The first thing that I think artists in Erie need to focus on is what qualifiers are they applying to themselves? I hate the term local artist. Local is a... Like I won't say it again. Uh, <laughs> you are not a local artist. You are an artist living and working in Erie, Pennsylvania. When you apply that term local artist, you're saying that it is your intention to only have your work go out to those individuals that are proximate to you. Right, whether that be your zip code, your county, etc. Uh, so I try to encourage people to say, okay, if you're going to put a qualifier on your work, it should be what stage of your career you're in. Are you an emerging artist? Are you a mid-career artist? Or are you an established artist? I think that that's something that many artists don't focus on. They put so much emphasis on that term local that they don't think about where they're at in their career set. So because of that, they don't know what the next steps are within their career. So if you're an emerging artist, you're typically someone who has only exhibited or demonstrated your work within the local community. Uh, and probably haven't necessarily had that many solo opportunities to do that. It's probably more in a group setting than anything else. So when we think about arts and drafts, that's like great opportunities for emerging artists, right? You get your work out in front of the local community, you're exhibited alongside other artists living and working in Erie, but by no means is that intended to be like the end point for your career. Um, truthfully, as your career scales, that might not be an exhibit opportunity that you include on your CV. But starting out, it's a great way to get your feet wet. When you're an, a mid-career artist, you're starting to get some recognition within the region. So not just here in Erie, but maybe within the tri-state area, maybe Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. You're looking for opportunities to exhibit or demonstrate your work in that larger region. Again, you might not have a ton of solo shows. It might be um, more uh, group shows or two-person shows, but you're starting to be identified for the work that you create uh, and recognized for that work. Maybe you're starting to receive awards. Maybe that's even awards through Erie Arts and Culture, our annual Arts and Culture Appreciation Awards. Uh, maybe you're starting to receive grants, that type of thing. Those established artists are those artists that have become recognized as a thought leader within their discipline, right? And their work isn't necessarily concentrated to a local community, a region, but instead maybe throughout the nation. So maybe you have opportunities in other states uh, to present or perform your work. Uh, maybe if you're a filmmaker, it's on a circuit that's uh, going around to other cities throughout the country. And when people hear your name, there's some recognition associated with that name. So 
for artists here in Erie to figure out what the correct opportunities are for them, they really have to ask themselves, where am I at in my career? Because that's going to largely determine what you should be looking to do. So for instance, there's there's resources like CAFE that are international resources that are call for uh, artists. And with that, they list fellowships, residencies, public art opportunities, commissions, um, any number of things. If you are an artist that's primarily worked in your studio and you've only had a few local group shows, you probably shouldn't be applying for a public art opportunity with a half a million dollar budget associated with it because you're taking what's maybe primarily a two-dimensional uh, discipline in your studio and you're saying, well, I could probably create a three-dimensional form in a public setting that has to withstand all the environmental hazards that come with it, etc. Right? So yes, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to feel like you're failing if you're applying for all these opportunities and not getting them. But really, it comes back to reflecting on where you're at in your career. So speaking with two creatives in the room, have you ever thought about like, how do you identify yourself as a creative? How do What terms are you using? Are you using local filmmaker or are you using terms like emerging or mid-career filmmaker? I do use local filmmaker. <laughs> um, I didn't really put the same connotation you had, but it makes a lot of sense after you've defined it that way. Uh, however, I did receive an emerging artist fellowship from your arts and culture and I really started to like that word, like, oh, yeah, I'm an emerging yeah. artist. I'm on the up and up. Yeah, because I think artists a lot of the time don't think about it in that linear way of, like, creating a career like that. Like, sometimes they just kind of think about it as, like, I'm just an artist. This is what I'm doing, you know, and not necessarily looking to the next step in, like, a career perspective of it. You know, they may just be saying, well, this is what I'm making. This is what I'm doing. And I'm mm -hmm. here doing this. Like, you know, I'm a local artist. Rather than being like, well, I'm an emerging artist and this is my next step. This is how I want to be a mid mid-artists mid-career mid -career artists yeah <laughs> so interesting yeah and i think for me personally the the thing you had mentioned about finding your finding your process and having something to say through the art it for me it's always been a balancing act of okay i can do the art i want to do that's just for me and get no money and be broke but i'll love it or do the semi-artistic things other people need that you know they'll pay me for a service and go back and forth between those two mediums I have not found a comfortable middle ground where I feel I'm getting to explore everything as creatively as I'd like while also you know being able to support myself solely as an artist yeah so I think that it's important to separate those two things and schedule those two things out accordingly right what does Jesse as the artist do and then what does Jesse as the essentially commercial artist do, right? So you can have a company, a business that is the commercial side of what you do. And that's purely meeting with clients, figuring out a client's need, and then translating that need to a product. That's okay. I'm not saying that doesn't have a space. But I'm saying that if you're a creative individual and that's all that you do, then you're more into it for a commercial endeavor than you are necessarily like an artistic endeavor, right? So, you know, if you look at a lot of the great authors like Hemingway and Henry Miller, like they all talked about the importance of not finding the time to do something, but actually intentionally scheduling the time to do something. So if you know you wake up every day at 8 a.m. 
and maybe you're in control of your schedule out throughout the day because you're freelance, say, okay, from eight until 12 or eight until two, that is me, my time for my creative process. And then from one until whatever time, that's my time for the commercial endeavors. Or maybe you're somebody that works better in the evening. You feel like you have more creative juice flowing then. So maybe you schedule eight until one for the commercial endeavors and then two and then beyond for those creative endeavors that are just you. I also think that you see you know, certain people operating underneath pen names and monikers because they don't want what they're doing as a commercial product associated with the work that they do as a creative artist. So you have folks that, you know, looking again back at authors, would contribute you know, essentially fluff pieces to journals underneath uh, a pen name because they didn't want that work. They knew they had to do that work to earn some income, but they didn't want that work to necessarily be associated with what they were doing as a as a great novelist or, you know, whatever else. So I think even asking yourself, like, what is it that is Jesse as a filmmaker? And then what is it that is whatever the, you know, commercial endeavor is that you're doing and how do you refer to that because do not refer to it as Jesse the filmmaker because it's two very different things oh it's a lot to digest Patrick <laughs> but I think I needed to hear it but I, I absolutely agree with being deliberate with your time if you're not clear and set those goals and you know separate them it's just kind of vague and gray and right. everything folds into itself. Yeah, no, it's definitely good advice. I think like depending on if you went to school for it too, like sometimes like I went to Edinburgh for film and it kind of helped me teach that like structure of time management and everything and like forcing myself to have a goal cuz you know, now that I'm graduated, I'm like, "Oh, I don't have I don't have end dates for anything. I don't, you know what I mean, other than my work life obviously." Like But you know how to, to set them now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I've largely been attracted throughout most of my life to outsider artists or folk artists. You know, those artists that don't have, you know, they didn't go to school to learn the process that they're doing. And maybe their process isn't necessarily like technically the best, but they are so focused on process. You know, a lot of times with outsider artists, it's like this... Uh, what they create is them living through whoever they see as like a higher power. So you have, you know, singer-songwriters and visual artists like Daniel Johnston. If you've never watched the documentary Devil and Daniel Johnston, watch it. That gentleman was is so focused on process where, you know, he didn't have all of this technology. So he'd sit down and he'd write and record these songs inspired by this one person that was essentially his muse. The moment he would play through the one album he didn't have the opportunity to dub that into another album so he would re-record it again so each tape was essentially a little bit different than the other tape but he also would translate a lot of the imagery in his songs into you know rough sketches and drawings and watercolors um when I was down in Jacksonville, I worked with a woman named Marcy Wallace. So Marcy Wallace was an African-American. Uh, she was in her early 50s. Um, she had some cognitive disabilities, uh, didn't graduate high school. And one day she called me and she said, I want to show people my art. And I was told that I should talk to you. And I said, okay, do you have a website? Do you have social media? Like, how can I see your art? And she was like, I don't have any of those things. Can I come in in person? I thought, great. 
I love in-person interactions. At the time, my office uh, in Jacksonville was in the same building as the Jacksonville Symphony. It was in the Performing Arts Center. So a pretty prestigious building that can be a little bit intimidating. Marcy shows up on like a Monday at 11 o'clock in like an evening gown and like the gloves that go up to your elbow, just extremely eloquently dressed. Because coming into this building, it felt like that was what she needed to do to come into this building, right? So when we think about the obstacles and barriers that exist and like, do people feel welcome? Like this was clearly a building she never had been in before, but she felt like in order to gain access, she had to play this part of like the elegant individual, which again, we have to be cognizant of the terms we're using and the words we're using and, and how do we feel, how do we make people feel included in that which we do? So. I thought Marcy would maybe bring five to 10 pieces of her work. She brought hundreds. So she takes public transportation. So she had this wheel wool, uh, cart with wheels on it and just hundreds of drawings. And she sat down with me and she said, okay, about three years ago, I wasn't feeling that good. Um, I didn't like myself, so I started to draw. And now I wake up every morning and I draw throughout the day and then I go to my GED class and then when I come home I continue to draw. So she talked about how how she lays her paper out and how she lays her pencils out and like how it's this like extremely like routine process for her so that there's no second guessing it, there's no thinking it, it's wake up, you do this thing. And I loved her artwork. It was the style that I really resonate with. And I said, well how are you showing people your work right now? And she said, well I wake up and the days that I go downtown, I staple my drawings to my jacket and then I walk around and hope people will ask me about my drawings. And I thought, what an interesting approach, right? Like yeah. think about like projection projects with film and pop-ups and all of these other things. Like it's the same concept. It's trying right. to reimagine how you get your work in front of somebody. For her, it was necessity because she didn't know what other outlets existed. But, you know, we consistently worked over time with her to establish goals for herself. And that included setting up at the monthly uh, Art Walk event, which is similar to Erie's Gallery Night, which the first month she set up there, she sold like over $300 worth of work. And all of her work was only like 10 or $15 a piece because they're drawings on paper. The next thing she talked about wanting to do was release a book. So I worked with her to release a book on her work. So I say this because if, if Marcy Wallace, someone who doesn't even have a GED, can really focus on process and can see the steps one after another it takes to scale your career, there's no excuse for any other artist to not be doing those same thing. Uh, so again, I think that if artists want to be successful here in Erie or anywhere else, they first have to have an con honest conversation with themselves. Where am I at in my career? Am I making work that is worthy of people's interests, right? Like, why would people be drawn to my work? And then once you kind of start answering those questions sincerely and honestly, then we can talk about what are the next steps to actually scale that career? What are the opportunities you look for? How do you identify and then respond to those opportunities? Uh, and then also like, what does success look like for you? Is success getting your work out in front of people like Marcy or is success earning a living off of your work? Because again, if success is earning a living off your work, you're always gonna lean more towards the commercial side than right. necessarily that like artistic endeavor side. So one of the things that I really think needs to happen here in Erie is, is more artists need to have those honest conversations with themselves 
and then figure out what are the opportunities that are present for me to to scale my career and be successful as I define it. Right. And speaking more about like the pros and cons specifically here in Erie, can you talk a little bit more about the EAC and you know what kind of resources they have for artists here? Yeah, so we're a capacity builder. We're not intended to be direct to end users. Instead, we invest in those organizations or individuals that use arts and culture to serve the community. So that includes cultural organizations, it includes individual artists, uh, but it also we fund non-cultural organizations like the Barber Center, et cetera, excuse me, that are using arts and culture to serve um, a, a population. Uh, within here in Erie, Erie Arts and Culture has a few opportunities. One is we are a formal partner with the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts. The Pennsylvania Council on the Arts offers project stream grants, which artists can apply for and receive. So with a project stream grant, that really, again, it's kind of shifting back to product a little bit, but hopefully you're focused on process as you deliver that product. Uh, so maybe that's the creation of a mural in a public space. Maybe it's hosting an event that serves the community as a whole. Uh, Etc. So like a Miramisal that's occurring this Saturday, like that's a really great example of a project, right? It's an annual event that's bringing people together to celebrate the diverse cultures that we find here in Erie. Um, it includes dance, it includes song, it includes food, etc. So there's the project stream grants that artists are available or that are available to artists. We also have our artist fellowships every year. So with those fellowships, we offer two for emerging artists and one for an established artist. Um, you get to self-define whether you see yourself as an emerging artist or an established artist, but those are unrestricted dollars. So that is purely an investment in you. You can use those funds however you see fit. You do not have to deliver a project or a product or a program as a result of receiving those funds. So maybe you're a visual artist and you want to um, be exposed to more contemporary artists of color. So you say, okay, in order for me to do this, I've identified these exhibits that are occurring at these museums throughout the nation. You could use the funding you receive to buy airfare and hotel accommodations to go and visit these exhibits so that you feel like if you feel like that's going to impact your career as an artist. Uh, maybe you are a filmmaker and you need a new camera. You can use those funds to invest in a new camera, right? They're not tied to a specific project or program. Um, then beyond that, you know, that's really kind of where our funding stream presently currently ends, but we also do a lot of other things with capacity building. So I believe that anybody is worth an hour of my time at least. So if you're an artist and you want to meet to discuss, you know, what you're working on, the challenges you're facing, you know, if you're having a difficult time figuring out how to identify opportunities, I am happy to sit with you and talk through that. Um, we also have some funding for the next two years um, through a grant we received from the Erie Community Foundation for an initiative called New Horizons. And with that, we're using arts and culture to serve communities in 16501, 02, 03, and 07, uh, specifically looking at how do we use arts and culture to either communicate the needs of the community as defined by the community or help identify what solutions look like to better serve those needs. Um, so an example of one of the projects that we're going to be doing um, is uh, we're working with a printmaker 
to um, do a project called Restore the Core. And that printmaker is going to design a stencil. That stencil will then get plastered throughout the urban core uh, that leads people to a website through which they can um, complete a, a really short survey about the things they'd like to see in the urban core. What types of restaurants would you like to see? What types of retail locations would you like to see? What type of public amenities would you like to see? Because as we develop right now, I think one of the challenges is that not enough voices are brought into the conversation about what should this development look like to serve the greater community need. But then from that, maybe that website can grow to also say, okay, these are the spaces within the urban core that are currently available. If you're an artist looking for a studio space, these places are available. If you're a small business looking for a retail space, these places are available. If you're a restaurant looking for a location, these places are available so that we are better identifying A, what the community wants to see, and then hopefully connecting service providers to opportunities to provide those things to the community. Um, again, it's a printmaker that's doing it, but the end-all be-all is not the print. It's the process and how you engage the community and how you serve the community. So we have funding in 2019 and 2020 um, that goes to building the capacity of artists. So you know, it's okay if you want to be a studio-based artist, but we also know that there are artists in our community that want to be community-based artists. And how can we invest in them directly to help grow their capacity so that what they do, they can kind of get their feet wet here, but then think about what other opportunities exist in communities throughout the nation that they could live and work here in Erie, but also apply for opportunities to do similar things in other communities. So like, there's, there's, uh, you know, we had brought in three different speakers throughout this year to talk about placemaking, and a lot of the artists that they focused on all live in, you know, they might live in city A, city B, and city C, but they're servicing, you know, two dozen cities throughout their portfolio that they have represented online because they see these opportunities, they see the need, but they've been equipped with the knowledge, the process, the skill set to be able to respond to those needs. Um, so that's really what we offer here. But that being said, there is so much opportunity available throughout national foundations, um, national grant makers, etc., that artists in Erie could apply for but again i think they have to ask themselves is the work i'm making here ready to compete with work from other cities because these are incredibly competitive processes and you have to know when you're going into them that like you have to be submitting some really high quality stuff in order for you to compete with some of the other contemporary artists that are out there uh, we also have, you know, the city of Erie has their flagship micro grants right now that are $5,000 micro grants that artists can apply for. It does require a $5,000 match, or it can be up to $5,000. Um, but that again has to look at a entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, we also saw Ben Franklin Technology Partners just did the Big Idea Startup Contest where they awarded an idea up to $50,000. We saw two ideas get $25,000 each. We saw um, Ashley Pastori and Sarah Moody get $25,000 to start a contemporary art space that will focus on papermaking, printmaking, and photography. And then we saw Whitethorn Digital, who's a video game designer and publisher, receive $25,000. So, 
even though Erie Arts and Culture might have a limited option currently available within our menu of options, there are other opportunities that we can help facilitate connections to. And then lastly, we also have those artists that are interested in serving in an educational setting. We also have teaching artist residencies where you can take your core discipline. Maybe you're a filmmaker, maybe you're a photographer, a visual artist, but you have to be using that to teach a broader subject. So we have people like Tom Ferraro and Ed Grout that just did a mural with one of the middle schools that focused on teaching uh, things about earth sciences. Um, we have uh, folks that might be using music to teach mathematics because you're using fractions, etc. Um, so that's another opportunity that we do have available. Oh, that's really cool. Do you want to talk about your personal experience with the fellowship at all? Yeah, um, that process was awesome. <laughs> well, I won, um, but it was it really worked out because I had just shot my first real film. Um, a friend had written it, and I directed and produced it. And we did a Kickstarter campaign, uh, which we uh, succeeded in. Uh, but to launch that campaign, I had to do like an intro video where I talked about uh, the group of fi local filmmakers or filmmakers living in Erie <laughs> who were part of the project and how we kind of came together to make this little film. And it was just a short five-minute film. We shot it over a weekend. Um, but I did have to, you know, it was, it was a big deal. I had to get insurance. We rented gear. We shot in the Warner and... Um, at uh, Brew Erie, uh, but it was just this little comedy. It was called This Year's Scream Queen. I can send it to anyone that's interested. <laughs> and yeah, so like I had to make all these marketing materials. And when I, uh, I waited till the last day of the fellowship uh, application process, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to type it all up today. And I had to type just... Um, a summary of who I was, what I was trying to accomplish. And then I basically just used this film as the model um, and said, this is the kind of work I want to do. And, uh, you know, I had a poster. I had a couple teaser videos we had done for the Kickstarter that showed like different scenes and um, a trailer. The news came when we shot it and I had like a little snippet of the news. So I basically just condensed all of those materials into my application to supplement it and um i heard back that i that i had won and they let me know that for the artist fellowship all of the judges were not from erie they were from out of state um so it was a very impartial system and they they said they like what i did and like patrick said i received the funds from that uh but i didn't have to use that for a specific project so pretty much all of it went to new gear which makes me a better filmmaker and then I can just keep taking my work to the next level. So I really, uh, you know, I want to plug the Artist Fellowship for anyone that's listening. Um, applications currently open. Applications currently open. Uh, and also the Artist Residency, um, I've done two uh, with Kelly Armour. She had come up with a curriculum for two different schools uh, of things she wanted to teach. And she said, would you mind coming in and like filming the process? So both times we were able to create uh, a little video of the work and she was great because she's like this folk musician and uh, the one school they were all English second language kids and the focus was proverbs and 
they had to come up with proverbs in their own language. And then when they looked at um, English proverbs and they translated them. And on top of that, she brought in all these other artists to teach them artist skills. There was Asian watercolor painting, African drumming, um, really cool stuff. And it was all bundled into this getting them out of their shell and being able to you know, talk about their culture and, and be not inhibited in front of everyone else. And it worked really well. So that program is great too. So that's awesome. I'm all about your arts and yeah. culture. <laughs> so we, uh, we have a diversity, equity, inclusion task force right now that's focused on three things. The first is recruitment. So when we have board opportunities, when we have staff opportunities, when we have panel or committee opportunities, what is the process by which we're recruiting for those individuals? Because the composition of our board, the composition of our staff, the composition of our panels and committees will largely influence the composition of individuals that receive funding from us. Um, it's, you know, we have to have these things be more representative of our community broadly. Uh, the second thing they're focused on is outreach. So when we have opportunities like the Artist Fellowship, what is the process we're employing in order to get that information out in front of individuals? Because I meet people that have grown up here that are creatives in one capacity or another that don't know about the products or services that Erie Arts and Culture has available. Um, so looking at how do we actually bring people into the fold to let them know like these opportunities are available for you to, to utilize. It's not just cultural organizations that should be applying for these things. And the third would be how do we market? So how are we communicating out to the broader community all the cultural and creative assets that Erie actually has? So knowing that there are people that are filmmakers and photographers. So if you're working on this project, here's these individuals that you can connect to. So one of the ways that we're hoping to overcome that is through our community directory. So we actually have a community directory online where any creative um, can upload essentially a miniature portfolio. You can put an about section, you can include your contact information, you can include uh, photos of your work, etc. in hopes that as folks are saying, hey, I have this project coming up, I need a filmmaker. Instead of us having to like do Google searches and all these other things, we can just go to the community directory and say, okay, here's a link to all of the filmmakers that are registered within our directory. So one thing I would love to plug for artists that are interested in, in learning their uh, or scaling their career is a very simple step is just simply starting by uploading a profile to our community directory. It's free. It takes very little time. Uh, and then from that, as you have uh, events such as the Film Grain series, make sure that's on our community calendar. Um, because the more we make people aware of all the things that we have here, the better we can connect people to one another. And from that, you find opportunities to collaborate. You might find opportunities for commissions. You might find opportunities for freelancing contract work, et cetera. Or just meet cool people. Or just meet yeah. cool people. Yeah, that's a really cool resource. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. The, the directory is active? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Awesome. The other thing, too, that I think is a, is a really big asset for artists in this region that I don't think is utilized enough is the fact that we're as close as we are to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, Akron, um, Toronto, etc. Um, I know that we certainly have issues with poverty in our community, so not everybody has upward mobility and maybe the ability to just by themselves go out to these areas, but we could certainly all afford to carpool to some of these areas. So if we know like uh, earlier 
this uh, year, I went out to Akron because the dancer, uh, the choreographer and visual artist Nick Cave had an exhibit at the Akron Art Museum. Nick Cave's one of my favorite contemporary artists. In hindsight, I thought I shouldn't have been okay with going out there without a full car. Like I really should have made sure that I had specific people in you the vehicle me. with me. I know. Now I know, though. <laughs> I actually don't think I have your number. Uh, but there are so many interesting institutions and venues in these surrounding cities. You know, you look at Pittsburgh and you look at places like the Mattress Factory, um, that is a you know well-funded, well-thought-out, but kind of weirdo, funky art space more artists in our area need to be exposing themselves to these things. Um, do not be okay with just staying here in Erie and only using what you're exposed to in Erie as your you know, point of reference for things because you are competing on a national level. So you have to be looking at what other artists, contemporary artists are doing in a national scene. Uh, so starting within those communities is great. But also if you go on vacation somewhere, make sure you're working in cultural institutions as part of your itinerary. You know, if you're going, you know, if you work a day job and they send you on a, you know, trip for a conference or something, try to fill in and like have a evening at a museum or a gallery space there. Um, and make sure you have business cards and other things so that when you're at these places, you can network, you can exchange your contact information. Because, you know, one thing I think is, is really valid that is underutilized too is if you see an artist whose work is in a similar vein to yours, say you're a filmmaker, look at the production companies that are putting it out. Right. If you're a visual artist and you go into a gallery and you see, you know, a exhibit that's in a similar vein to your work, figure out who the curator was that put that exhibit together. Figure out who the gallerist is that's representing that work, because chances are they might also be interested in your work if it's in a similar vein. Um, so, so, you know, thinking maybe a little bit more linearly, which I know is not always. Like, I'm not an artist. I've always had a business background, so it's easy for me to think linearly. But that's also why I'm in a position to be an arts administrator, because I'm here to assist those that might not think in those terms. Um, but at the very least, like, once a month, you should be getting out of Erie and going to, you know, even if it's just an independent theater in another con uh, community outside of Erie, just getting out once a month can do so much for your career as an artist. Right, and getting your name out there and meeting people in other communities. Can I ask the two of you a question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. What are the obstacles you currently identify in your career? My obstacles are, they're all on me. And it is it is part of that coming up with the process you mentioned because I struggle a lot with, do I want to go full commercial or full artistic? Trying to balance them is taxing, I guess. I, I, I'm very all or nothing. So just taking the opportunities where I can, I think, if I did choose one, I know, personally, I know the resources I could go after to like help me get to the next level, but I just can't commit to one or the other. Yeah, I think trying to figure that out, you know, like for me, I feel like I'm very much in a commercial Capacity. headspace right now. Yeah, because, you know, with working at Art Frank Photography, I do love it. And I think after graduating college, I was kind of in between of like, what do I want to do? Do I want to just go the commercial route or do I want to go the more artistic route? And like figuring that out was very confusing for me because I was like, what's the right thing to do? You know what I mean? Whereas like really 
for me personally, I like doing more commercial. It, it's just, I don't know, it makes me feel more comfortable, I guess. Um, you like the structure. Yeah, I like structure. I for can sure. tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm very structural person. So I think that's part of it. But so right now I don't feel like I'm struggling a ton, but I think before, you know, trying to figure out what do I want to do was very confusing for me because I had thought like, well, I went to school for filmmaking, so I have to do short films or I have to do more artistic things, you know. And So if that job opportunity hadn't come up, what which way do you think you would have gone? I don't know. I think I would have been balancing back and forth, kind of like, you know, like you're tr- you said you're like trying to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. I think I would kind of be in that in a similar yeah space as well because before rob offered me a job i was kind of like you know am i gonna get out and then do i want to just freelance and try and do short films on the side like i was very back and forth and so i think i would have just been in a very similar situation to you Mm -hmm. as well what's your diagnosis (laughs) more honest conversations with yourself in both of these situations right you have to define what success looks like for you and then that what success looks like will define determine what the next steps are but it sounds like the both of you are just really kind of one coming to grips with the fact that it's okay to be a commercial photographer it's okay to be a commercial videographer or filmmaker like there's no shame in that uh and maybe later on down the line in your career you'll you know do something that's purely artistic only and creative only and that's okay like there's no shame in that but it also um it also will influence what opportunities you have available as well, right? Because if you're going that commercial route, you're probably not going to get the residencies, et cetera, that you could maybe get in another city. But at the same time, you could maybe find like really great employment because you have this skill set that's right. very valuable. Which I think is why I kind of like going to the commercial route because it just makes me feel more comfortable. You know, like I just feel more structured there. Um, and I do feel like, you know, you still get, like I still get really cool opportunities because I'm still in an artistic field, you know, like getting to do uh, photography and filmmaking every day, but being structured. I really like that aspect. Of my and life. I want to be clear, like I have a day job in film production that's narrative and educational. So I cannot complain in the slightest. <laughs> like I have it really good. Uh, it's all just inner. Is this what I really want to do? The question I ask every morning. So I, I guess you, you mentioned all the funding opportunities and resources. Um, maybe that there may not be a concrete answer, but for the artists who need to have those conversations with themselves, uh, are there other people or resources who can kind of facilitate that conversation? Like you clearly know the right questions to ask an artist to, to get them thinking along those things. And I know you said you're happy to sit down with anyone are there existing infrastructure or anything like that where artists can get in that headspace? I think there's a lot of different options available. Um, I would say the first start should be contact me. Let's have a conversation together so that you can be better equipped to have this conversation by yourself afterwards. Patrick at eriartsandculture.org is my email address. We can set up a time to meet. But from that, I you know I encourage people to um, subscribe to either journals or blogs that are related to their specific discipline and the arts industry as a whole. Uh, I also thinking about based off of your discipline, what 
you know, affiliation groups you can become a member to. Um, because I think that a lot of times those newsletters and, and what's being published should also kind of um, prompt some of this thinking about your, your career. Uh, when there's opportunities to attend conferences, if it's within your means, use that as an opportunity to do that. Um, but also, again, when you see other work on exhibit, if it's in a similar vein to your, your work, etc., like kind of compare and contrast. Ask yourself, like, what led to this person getting this opportunity as opposed to me? Once you see a person that has an opportunity, go to their website, find their CV, kind of look at what did that career path look like to get there, right? What did the series of exhibitions look like? Where did they go to school at? How, you know, what residency does they complete, etc. So you can say, okay, this this success I'm seeing right now didn't just happen overnight. It took intentional steps along the way to get there, and that at least gives you a little bit more framework. Um, I also have a few resources in my office that are kind of like hand guides and journals and how-tos for artists, whether you're interested in being part of the creative economy as an entrepreneur or whether or not you're someone that's just really focused on a studio practice or if you're someone that's focused on a community-driven practice. Like we do have books out um, that can help with that process as well as a resource. Do you have The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? Uh, I did have that. Um, but I don't know if I still do. When I moved, I lost a lot of my books. Um, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you can buy more. Uh, but, you know, and if you can't afford to buy it, there's always the library, library. et cetera. Um, but we do have some, some good resources that we can lend out that we can recommend. Um, and certainly, you know, there's podcasts and other things. Like I even think even though he's not an artist, I think Seth Godin's thought process is really, uh, you know, it, it peels away a lot of the layers and makes you go, oh, yeah, that's a very simple way of understanding this complex topic. Um, so I think exposing yourself to thought leaders outside of necessarily just the arts is also a really important step. I recommend Lynchpin by Seth Godin. Really good one. Thanks, Patrick. You're welcome, Jesse. <laughs> a lot of good information. I know we yeah, joked seriously. about dancing, but uh, did you know that downtown Erie has a 15-minute dance party every Friday at 1215? I didn't know What? That. Tell me more. Uh, <laughs> so we brought Peter Kagyama to Erie. Um, in the spring. Peter is the author of Love Where You Live, How to Create Emotionally Engaging Cities. And it talked about those things that are maybe no cost or low cost that you could implement to create some type of an emotional response in your community. So after his keynote presentation, uh, I sent an email out to everybody that was in attendance and said, can you think of three things that could be done or that you could personally do to make people fall in love with Erie? And one of the ideas Jen Dennehy had was to do a dance workshop in a public space. And through bouncing that idea back and forth, we refined that into a weekly 15-minute dance party because everybody on their lunch break, you know, 15 minutes isn't that much to, to give up. But at 12.15, it's three songs, 15 minutes. It's on the stage at Perry Square. Uh, and it's been awesome. It's been a growing group. Last week was a little bit slow just because it was after 4th of July and it was really, really hot out. Uh, but you see individuals of all backgrounds participating. It's it's a really fun little funky thing that costs nothing to put on. So every Friday, Perry Square, 1215, so come out cool. and dance. I'm going to get my dancing shoes.
That's been our episode. Remember, you can buy tickets for Gloria Bell at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. On July 22nd's episode, we've got Craig Stadler, CTO of Erie Data Systems and creator of PDVid, a video search engine that's completely uncensored and uninvasive. We're off July 29th, returning August 5th with Sharon Dale, chair at Penn State Barron for both the Arts Administration and Digital Media Arts and Technology programs. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.